Brooklyn's Radio believes your health matters. It's Jill Bennett on Brooklyn's Radio. Good afternoon, everybody. It's Jill Bennett here with this month's Your Health Matters. And this month, I've got some fabulous guests with me. We're talking about food sensitivities. A food intolerance is a difficulty digesting certain foods and having an unpleasant physical reaction to them. It can cause symptoms like bloating, tummy pain, and it usually happens within a few hours after eating a food. The number of people who believe they have, have a food intolerance has risen dramatically over recent years and continues to rise. So today we're talking about food sensitivities and what you can do if you're unfortunate enough to live with them. My first guest this afternoon is Michelle Scar. She is a London-based nutritional therapist and natural chef, vegan natural chef lecturer at the College of Naturopathic Medicine. She practices um, functional medicine-based nutritional therapy, and she graduated from the esteemed College of Naturopathic Medicine. Michelle, now you've got a very interesting background because you went from a city investment banker to having your own fashion business and then nutrition. Tell us what prompted these dramatic changes in your career journey. Yes. Hello, Jill. Thanks for having me. Um, Well, my career um, certainly has been a journey. Um, It started, as you say, with investment banking. So that was a period of long working hours and stress. So I thought I'd open up my own fashion business, um, which turned out to be even longer hours and even more stress, um, as that was both an online and a bricks and mortar boutique. And so I guess this is what led me to nutritional therapy, because um, I'd always been a keen cook and having been raised in the kitchen since a child and helping my mother in her um, country restaurant. But um, I was always interested in finding a healthier way to eat, um, maybe to look after myself with all this stress I was going through. So, however, it was kind of accidental that I found myself somehow roped into working for a friend of mine with MS who had lost his cook. And it was only then that I started to realise the power of nutrition to change health outcomes. Um, This led me to the College of Naturopathic Medicine, where I found myself doing an um, an induction evening. And um, and then, yeah, three years I spent studying biomedicine, biochemistry and nutritional science. Uh, Later, the Functional Medicine University. And I also spent a couple of years then working at the London Clinic of Nutrition under Oliver Barnett and people like Alex Manos and Nishita Patel. And so now I'm in private practice. I've had a full transition. I'm a nutritional therapist. My practice is called Nutrition East because I'm based in East London. Um, Although now I'm based in in Zoom, Zoom, although I still have my clinic rooms at Liverpool Street. But um, um, and so now I'm specializing in gut health conditions, actually. So things like IBS, diverticulitis, um, GERD, acid reflux, you know, gastritis, food sensitivities, and um, women's intimate conditions I like to deal with and hormonal problems as well. And of course, I've come full circle. I'm now teaching at the College of Naturopathic Medicine on their Natural Chef and Vegan Chef courses. 
Fantastic. So an amazingly diverse range of things that you can help people with. That's great. Well, my second guest today is Ludovica de... Sorry, I've got that completely wrong. <laughs> Ludovica de Pieri. And I'm so sorry I got that right earlier and now I've got it wrong. And you are a public health nutritionist and dietitian. You specialize in food hypersensitivities and eating behaviors. You're the founder and CEO of Reveal My Food, which is a brilliant app that helps people with food allergies and dietary requirements to find safe food when eating out. Ludovica, tell us how you got to where you are today. Hi, everybody. Um, so for me, the journey started uh, really within my family. My mom had uh, food allergies, so I grew up seeing her struggling with food allergies. Uh, and um, being impressed with our experience, I got very fascinated about nutrition and behavior. Um, and so I started studying that. And so uh, my first degree was in uh, biotechnology. So I got really into the genetic aspect of uh, uh, food intolerances and uh, uh, food allergies. And then I moved into a more clinical aspect of that. And I did my um, specialities in uh, nutrition and then in dietetics. So I guess my journey has been very much um, similar to Michelle, um, shaped by my experiences and shaped by seeing how many people are actually uh, struggling with uh, food hypersensitivities, but also with stress and how the environment is definitely shaping things. Um, so I guess um, for me, Reveal My Food has been the automatic or anyway, the logic um, outcome of uh, how to make uh, people able to enjoy their time together with other people and uh, making the society more inclusive for them and safer. No, that's great. So the app is actually aimed at anyone really with any sort of dietary special need or Food sensitivities, fantastic. Yeah. Oh, well, last but not least, my third guest is Dee Dee Ebery, and she is the owner of Your Wild Pantry Meal Solutions. Your Wild Pantry's offerings are, are, are numerous, aren't they, really? You provide a concierge-level meal planning and support to your clients. You also work with clients to find the best fit for specific diets, food allergies, and grocery budgets. And you offer to help beyond basic recipes to include comprehensive meal planning and support. Didi, what a unique and clever service. I, I could have done with something like that when I was first diagnosed with Hashimoto's. That would have been amazing. Um, how did you get to be involved with Wild Pantry? You know, I, first of all, thank you for having me here. This is wonderful. I love the international aspect of what we're all doing and how we're really working to kind of help support people and really meeting people where they are. So I love that. Thank you for having me. Um, so I worked in the nonprofit sector for 20 years and was burned out. And I, um, I also have an autoimmune disorder. I have multiple sclerosis. So Michelle, you were mentioning your client with MS. Um, and several years ago, I finally dawned on me that I'm probably not going to live forever. <laughs> None of us are going to get out of this. Um, and so um, looking at what food did to me, with my, with my issues, what inflammation looked like. Um, and I think it was um, an opportunity for me to just tap into what inflammation felt like to my body, what it like would felt to my husband. And in hindsight, realizing I had probably been in a constant state of inflammation and just didn't know it. I didn't know what I didn't know. 
And so working with an organic food company that was all about meal solutions was a way for me to really start to help myself and then help other people as well. Um, so three years ago, um, my husband and I moved to the Washington DC area, which is where we are now. And I really looked at the opportunity to be able to offer that concierge level, very individualized, very granular um, service to support folks. Um, you know, folks who have food sensitivities or food allergies or have, you know, different health issues that they're trying to add food as a way to help support um, their health um, was a great way for me to be able to take that and help translate it. You know, I think a lot of people get a diagnosis or they're told that, you know, these things make you sick or don't make you feel so well and, you know, go forth and try to figure it out. And it gets very overwhelming. So for me to be able to create a service that I knew I would want to use, that I would want um, someone to help me with um, was a really great way for me to you know, use my experience to help other people. So people come to me and I can take all of those restrictions and likes and dislikes and all those different things and use an algorithm, a program that allows me to really filter that and still help support people to have food that they still want to eat so that they were setting them up for success so they can sustain and maintain a healthy lifestyle moving forward. So, um, so that was really kind of how I came to that. And especially during COVID with so many people trying to stay healthy and find ways to do that in a way that, um, that met their needs. Uh, this was a really unique opportunity for me to kind of tweak and start to offer it in a different fashion. So yeah, that's where your well, well pantry came from. Fantastic. And I think, there are so many conditions, aren't there, that are treated, certainly with the National Health Service here, with drugs, instead of looking at the root cause. So things like sleep apnea, acid reflux, all these sorts of things, which people think they've got to live with. Type 2 diabetes, for goodness sake, people don't have to live with it. By making the right adjustments to their diet, it is they are things that they can reverse. I love the fact that today I've got three of you, one who could diagnose the problem, one who could help them sort out what they're eating at home, and another one who can help them when they're eating out. I mean, it's the, the perfect solution for everyone here today. Okay, well, I think really to start with, we do need to explain what a food intolerance is and the difference between an intolerance and an allergy, because there is a very, very big difference. So maybe, Michelle, you could start us off on that, please. Yeah, certainly, Jill. Um, OK, so um, a food intolerance is an IgG reaction. It's an antibody response. Um, it's a hypervigilance, let's say. Um, Excuse me, I'm a bit distracted. It's suddenly raining and the rain's coming in. I'm actually getting my feet wet. <laughs> it's, quite, it's quite blowy outside. So, um, as I said, it's a hypervigilant response and the symptoms are less severe than with an allergic uh, reaction. But the, the uh, response can occur within three to 72 hours later. So that's quite difficult to pinpoint. Um, symptoms, as I said, are more mild. You've got things like bloating, IBS, maybe um, weight issues or migraines and headaches, um, arthritis to a degree, anxiety, sinus issues, tiredness. Um, the most common uh, food intolerances are wheat, uh, unsurprisingly, probably, gluten, cow's milk, um, egg yolk, uh, soy, some fruits and vegetables as well. And 
these tend to be um, the other difference is that these tend to be um, temporary. You know, they can come and go throughout life. A lot of children have them. Maybe six to eight percent of children might have uh, food intolerances that then will uh, disappear. And say maybe um, a small percentage of the population might have food intolerances at one time. Whereas when you think of um, allergies, um, I mean, you could have 40, up to 45% of the population having some kind of food allergy. And these are lifelong. They're, they're from birth. And they're not going to go away. Um, so it's a different type of antibody response. This is called an IgE response. And it can have immediate and um, even fatal, potentially fatal, um, outcomes. So, you know, you get this swelling of the airways, this anaphylaxic uh, reaction, uh, fainting, loss of consciousness, but you can, and dizziness. But you can also have things like diarrhea or itching and hives and wheezing. Um, so basically, the IgE antibodies is stimulating histamine in the body. And this is what's causing uh, these reactions to def different degrees of um, severity. So most common... We, we, we know all about peanuts, of course, um, but fish and shellfish, um, eggs and milk again, uh, certainly. And, and of course, uh, gluten again, celiac disease. That's how, how we know about gluten sensitivity. Yeah. Does that answer your question? <laughs> yeah, no, that's brilliant. That's brilliant. But it, it, some people develop them later in life, don't they? It can suddenly come on yes. where... You know, I, I remember reading about a newsreader who was at the races um, at Ascot and suddenly collapsed. And thankfully, someone nearby, while well, the police had called an ambulance, someone nearby recognised what was going on and had an EpiPen because he was allergic to peanuts. And with her, it turned out to be shellfish. She'd suddenly got this reaction to shellfish. It's, uh, it's such a, the human body is such a fascinating thing, the way it works. Um, Didi, your clients come to you after a, di a diagnosis. So what are some of the common symptoms that people come to you with that they want to reverse? Um, a lot of things that Michelle mentioned, you know, uh, what happens is a practitioner like Michelle or a practitioner like Ludovica will, as I mentioned, send people my way when they're just overwhelmed. Um, and so I see a lot of folks with gluten um, allergies or intolerances, a lot of dairy issues. Um, and then especially when I'm working with patients who or clients who um, have have a functional medicine nutrition professional working with them, they've really done a deep dive on individual food intolerances. So that might be very specific fruits or very specific vegetables or specific nuts. So maybe not full, you know, full nut allergies, so very specific things. And so that's that really granular level that tends to overwhelm people. So, um, so I see folks with kind of those, you know, the larger umbrella of, you know, gluten-free or dairy-free, but then more and more I'm seeing folks come to me that have this very long specific list and it just overwhelms them. And so my brain is like an episode of the television show Chopped, <laughs> if you know that television <laughs> show. And so I, I find it interesting to kind of be able to piece all of those things together for folks. Mm. Um, so, yeah, so I see a lot, a lot of gluten and, and dairy. Yeah. Big ones. <clears throat> yeah. And I think it's funny, isn't it? How some people, it can literally be one or two things. Mm -hmm. Literally you think, how the heck does that happen that you just can't eat an egg or you can't, yeah, it's very, very well, I can't have basil or I can't have walnuts yeah. or I can't have cantaloupe. I mean, that's really specific. Yeah. Which is so. very strange. Yeah. Oh. Uh, Ludovica, will your app cover all foods that are common ones, um, 
in particular people are, are intolerant to. Um, and can you perhaps list some of the most obvious ones that you've come across as well? Yeah, I um, wanted to discuss a line on um, the list of food that can be accounted as an intolerance or a food allergy. So we're definitely aware of 14 major allergens, uh, which are the most common. Um, few of them have been mentioned already. Um, a coming one most likely are going to be legumes, so, which is quite interesting. Um, but also very important to acknowledge that uh, for what concerns food, any protein can trigger different level of uh, um, sensitivities in our body. And so, as you were mentioning, that's the bit that is very fascinating because we can be hypersensitive to food to very different degrees, depending on how our body is stimulated from uh, from them. Um, but also to any protein in any type of food. Um, so it's very um it's a very broad range. Um, and so reveal answering your question um, will enable people to really filter and apply um, filters to, um, based on any ingredient. Um, so um, as mentioned, it can be basil, it can be rosemary, honey, uh, but most importantly, there is uh, this aspect of uh, the threshold so if you are um, allergic to something, we're going to flag to the restaurant that your allergy is severe. Um, so there is a certain procedure that needs to be put in place. If you're intolerant um, in a kind of way, you can select the threshold of tolerance that you have. So, for example, uh, the most common one um, are lactose uh, intolerance, uh, which is due to our genetic. Um, and so people can be intolerant to Parmesan on their pasta or a glass of milk. So because of this degree of difference um, that is uh, um, specific to anybody, we really need to be, uh, reveal really um, is tailored to uh, the diner experience and needs. That's fantastic. There was a, a documentary on recently actually about peanut allergies and mm -hmm. it was showing how some Indian restaurants in a korma and a lot of curries, they should put ground almonds, but to reduce costs, some were using peanuts, ground peanuts. Yeah. And mm -hmm. so people, I mean, people died, literally people died yeah. and a few restaurants were, were prosecuted. And that's a difficult one, isn't it? Because you would hope that they would sign up for something like your app and be absolutely brutally honest about the ingredients that are in there. That are in there. Um, yeah, I think on that point there is uh, also the um, benefit for them to um, be allowed to find more diners. So if they are transparent, uh, what we're doing for them is making sure that more people will come to their venue. Yeah. Um, and another level is, for example, peanut oil, um, because it's very dangerous, or sunflower oil is becoming very, very dangerous for, for people. So because we get access to the ingredients of restaurants, uh, we're going to really be able to um, allow you and me and everybody with dietary requirements to find exactly what is in their food. And therefore, make healthier and informed and safer choices yeah yeah which would be great because i know where i live in, in mallorca i eat out a lot and they don't understand the concept of dairy free 
yeah. because they say it is and then you get a pasta dish and you taste it and you think Mm-mm, this has got you know parmesan or something or they give you yeah. a, 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 um, a dairy-free pasta dish and then they come with a bowl of parmesan and say you know would you like parmesan on so it's yeah. quite funny it's quite funny michelle how can people find out if they are intolerant to certain foods um, by running um, an IgG intolerance test, Jill. Um, I mean, the IgG antibody uh, response, it creates a sensitivity to a particular food and indicates um, it indicates if it's passed through the gut lining, actually, and if it's causing a systemic inflammation or even in some cases an autoimmune response, that is when the body is attacking itself. Um, and this kind of inflammation can make pathology is worse you know if you have arthritis it can worsen it um so this is not the kind of test that's currently offered at the nhs in the uk um but however nutritional therapists we do work with the laboratories in fact i work with several laboratories who often who offer different types of food intolerance tests um and it's about picking the right test for that client's needs um and registered nutritional therapists can order these for you. You can't really order any of the really good tests directly from the lab. My preferred test actually is uh, Cyrex Labs in the US, um, Didi. <laughs> they are great because <laughs> uh, they actually work with a full blood draw and uh, they're testing for both um, IgG and IgA antibodies. Mm. So that that's the antibodies that um, show that it's affecting the mucous membrane, so affecting the gut and the intestinal lining, for example, that you've got that gut inflammation. Um, And I think that they have the most advanced techniques in the world, in my opinion, the most accurate results, actually. Uh, In particular, the Array 10 I work very often with. Um, And I like this test because it is um, testing raw and cooked food, whereas very often you have to be careful. Some of the labs are testing raw food only. And, you know, we're, we're, we're eating cooked food, um, so it's not always appropriate, as well as they also test for like gum molecules and binding isolates and things that might be in um, processed foods. Yeah. Um, however, this, this is reflected in the in the prices, you might imagine. Um, but there are many tests available um, and I do work hard with clients to find the right test for their needs, whether that is dairy and gluten and um, cross contamination and at the right budget as well, of course. Fantastic. Okay, well, we're just going to have a quick ad break. So we'll be back in just a second. Brooklyn's Radio believes your health matters. Hi, this is Helen at the Marianne's Community Cafe opposite Debenhams in Staines. We're busy serving teas, coffee and light refreshments, plus some delicious cakes daily. We also have a welfare benefits advisor for all members of our community who will help with confidential advice and support with form filling on welfare benefits. And our trained team will help with all aspects of care support and more. When you bring a friend, their first regular tea or coffee is on us, based on one visit per day. Find us on Thames Street in Staines. Marianne's is operated by Surrey Disabled People Partnership. Find out more on SDP. I'm so glad you're open. Thank goodness you're here. Do you ever close? Did you know the pharmacy at 20 Church Street, Weybridge is open 100 hours every week to meet your immediate medical needs? We're here for you from 7am to 11pm weekdays, 7am to 9pm Saturdays and 10am to 4pm on Sundays. 
Our friendly and knowledgeable team can provide you with the advice you need, as well as helping you with repeat prescriptions, all the -the over-the-counter products you would expect, and if you can't get in to visit us, we will deliver to you. The Pharmacy, 20 Church Street, Weybridge. We're here when you need us, 100 hours every week. It's Jill Bennett on Brooklyn's Radio. Welcome back. We're here today. We're talking about food sensitivities, and I've got three great guests with me. We're going to continue now with Dee Dee. So, Dee Dee, is it still possible to find foods you can eat, even in extreme cases where people might be intolerant to many, many foods? Um, does it make eating for your health much more difficult? You know, it can be more difficult, especially because when I when I'm doing a um, an intake, you know, we're talking about the list. You know, they say I have this long list of things I can't have, and I try very quickly to turn that narrative on its head and say, "Yeah, that's a long list." But in the world, the world, there's this much longer list of food out there that we have to work with, and so. I will also ask about, you know, what flavor profiles do you like? Do you have a sweet tooth? Do you like spicy food? Do you, you know, how many people in the house are we are trying to eat in a similar fashion so that the, the natural barriers can be removed? And so that right off the bat, I think, puts people at ease to say, oh, you're going to really take into consideration that not just I can eat all these things, but I actually want to eat all of these things. So they say, well, not only do I have the things I can't eat, by the way, I'm kind of picky and I also don't like these other things. Great. Then let's, let's make sure that we're swapping those out. Um, you know, the most common one here is, oh, I don't like mushrooms. Okay, fine. I love mushrooms, but if I you don't like mushrooms, that's fine. I'll take them all out. You know, um, I have a client that has a huge sweet tooth. She admits it. It's one of her big issues. And so she's trying to really cut back on sugar and a number of other uh, triggers. And so I said, that a lot of the snacks that we would incorporate into her meal plan might have that sweet element to them. Um, one of like one of the starches that she still can have is a sweet potato. Sweet potatoes, you don't have to add sugar to it to get that sweetness. You know, if, we, if you can have a carrot, let's make sure that that sweet part is something that will still pique their interest and want to keep them engaged and make them feel full, happy, and, and content. Um, so... There's, there's a lot of ways to do that and um, trying, trying to kind of help people feel better about moving forward is, is one, of the, one of the best parts, I think, of what I do. Yeah, I think you're right. And, and I, I agree with you, too, that if you're not eating too many processed sweet things, things like a sweet potato and carrot and things like that taste really sweet. My yeah. dogs love raw carrots. They're oh, really beautiful them. They absolutely adore them. Um, Ludovica. I find it difficult eating out because I, I have a restricted diet. So how is your app? We've already touched on it a little bit, but tell us more about how it's going to help someone like me. So definitely. Um, you know, do you remember, I'm sure you're familiar with the endless hour of searching for the right restaurant that can gather for you. And then once you're there sending the um, hundred emails or calls that you find out uh, the allergens menu or information on the dishes that they can prepare for you. So basically all that endless time to find the perfect solution now is uh, um, very easy to find. You download the app. On the app you have a full list of restaurants 
um, you can apply the filters, uh, which means uh, that you can uh, um, exclude food based on your dietary requirements. And it can be a food allergy, it can be um, an intolerance. But as he was mentioning, there is also this element of pleasure. So you can decide based on uh, what is your favorite uh, cuisine or uh, what you fancy or where you are location-wise. And so based on your requirements, we filter out what is the choice that you have around you. And uh, you can serve and search directly on the menu, finding what is suitable for you. And for each dish, you're going to find the 14 major allergens, uh, but also the full ingredient list. So you're going to be really able to uh, make an informed choice. And um, uh, we have uh, lifestyle types, uh, we have also a nutritional value. And I think with Reveal, we are helping people to really continue their journey uh, on finding what they like, uh, finding more options, as Dee was mentioning, for what they can have, and definitely get back to enjoy their social life. We all enjoy when somebody prepares something delicious to us. Uh, now it's possible for everybody. And uh, I think that's the key of Reveal. Brilliant. Yeah, that's great. Michelle, what causes food intolerance? Well, there are several, um, several different theories, actually, Jill. Um, I mean, the origins of food intolerance and allergies begins with the digestive system. Um, in the small intestine, if we fail to break down a protein into its constituent amino acids effectively, then tiny bits of it can remain and they can find their way into the lymphatic system where they'll bind with fat molecules and and this is where our immune cells are. Um, so when the immune cells discover that errant particle of peanut, for example, um, they're going to um, mount an immune response and they're going to attack it as they would a foreign body. And this, um, over a period of time and, and frequent exposure, can sometimes create a very, very big, uh, it can elicit a very big immune response, causing those severe allergic reactions, such as the swelling of the face and the tongue. There is uh, another theory backed up by the frequent research at the moment on gluten, that gluten causes the walls of our intestines to become more porous, um, hence the term leaky gut. And um, undigested protein particles can slip through into our um, bloodstream and into the cells of the, uh, of the gut, raising the immune alarm again. Um, so maybe one in a hundred people might have celiac disease, that allergy to gluten, but a considerably higher percentage suffer from gluten sensitivity. So that reaction is very um, is very studied now. Um, the gut can become porous after things like uh, antibiotics as well, or a heavy bout of alcohol, for example, um, and even stress. And we we all are exposed to a lot of stress these days. And then you've got um, plants. Plants contain um, seeds, like, for example, grains. And those grains, can, those seeds, sorry, can be um, slightly poisonous. And, um, I mean, after all, the, uh, the aim of plants is to reproduce. It's not just to make food for, for us. And so um, if these seeds, for example, are eaten by an insect, then it might cause enough of um, enough of a response or a discomfort response that will put them off the plant so the plant survives. However, with humans, we have to, we can tolerate a lot more, can't we? But those with gluten sensitivity, for example, might be like those insects. 
they can tolerate some of the um, seed or some of the poison without those severe allergic reactions or that severe inflammation of the intestinal lining. However, those symptoms can be unpleasant and eating less of that um, grain can relieve those, those symptoms. And then you have things like uh, lactose intolerance or fructose intolerance as well, um, and which is, is more of um, rather than uh, like an allergic reaction, it's more of a lack of a digestive enzyme actually um, in the large intestine and that we need these enzymes in order to break these foods down. Um, often this can be a result of genetic development. Um, we are normally all born with the enzymes to digest lactose, um, very rarely. Um, babies are born without the ability to digest their mother's milk and can cause them severe uh, diarrhea. However, you know, 75% of the population will have, like, we will all have these genes for digesting our mother's milk. And then 75% of the population, um, the gene for digesting this lactose may start switching off as we grow up. And we may be left with maybe say 10 to 15% of our initial level. So that might be enough for one or two cups of tea maybe some clotted cream or something, but um, we might start to then develop these lactose intolerance reactions. It might just become too much. And then likewise with fructose, um, certain fruits can pose a problem. And it can be, again, genetically, genetically can develop more in, in certain nations. Um, when you uh, consider also that processed foods these days are opting for natural fruit sugars aren't they as a way of being healthy over refined sugar so they're opting to put more fructose or corn syrup um, into lots of these processed foods so people are having constant exposure actually to fructose um, and then you think that fruit, fruits are now available all year round whereas that used to be seasonal but now we can buy pineapples from the other side of the world um, so whereas you know, an apple a day used to keep the doctor away. Uh, but now we've got fructose in our ketchup, in our cereals, in our canned soup, uh, in our yogurt. It just might be too much, you know. They they always say, don't they, you should eat seasonally. But it's very hard to resist exactly. all the lovely things that are available. How can we resist all those strawberries and beautiful know, fruit? You know, know. Other times of the year when we're craving them. Yeah, it's very hard. Um, Didi, what's the most unusual dietary need you've ever had to prepare a menu plan for? Um, you know, for me, it wasn't maybe one one ingredient or one item in particular. It's that I have, I have two clients right now that have a really long list of things they can't have and a number of other health things that they are working toward that that will support. So you have somebody who isn't like... a He's a gentleman. He is, you know, in his forties. He has a very long list that, um, not full-on allergies, but a lot of very um, significant uh, sensitivities. And he has a lot of cross-reactive things. And so you'll have someone who, you know, basil all by itself is okay, but basil when crossed with something else can be a, a reaction. And so he had a, a longer list of those. Plus, he's not trying to lose weight. He's already very thin. So we're trying to keep his caloric. A amount to a certain level. And so there were a number of additional, um, a number of additional moving parts. Um, so at first getting his plan, getting his filters set 
and finding what worked for him as well as like trying to feed X amount of people in the household and his wife's trying to eat this way. And it, so it, it was just a lot of those that right sizing. And mm. so, um, so that's probably the most difficult when you have so many different things and you have someone says, Oh, I'm gluten-free, which nowadays is easier to do or, Oh, and I might have these handful of other things. When we have people who have really, really, really specific cross reactive things in addition to trying to keep cholesterol down, trying to, you know, stave off any cardiac issue, whatever those are, those additional layers are the challenge, but I like a challenge. So, (laughs) so, um, and so he is, he has actually stayed with me. um, And he even said longer than he thought he would. He was kind of skeptical. He's like, let's just try a month. And he's on month three. Fantastic. So, um, so yeah, so those are some of the big challenges, but um, I've risen to the challenge thus far. So fantastic. That's brilliant. And Ludovisha, how do you decide? I think we've sort of answered this already, but the question was, how do you decide what foods or food groups to include? But it sounds like you include everything. Yes, definitely we do. Um, Because um, as Dee is explaining, but also Michelle, um, each of us has a unique pool of necessities that, that needs to be acknowledged. And even just being here today and having this conversation is really, really showing us how many different case scenarios can be present. So with Reveal, uh, we definitely um, enable everybody and uh, uh, for any desired requirement uh, to find what is suitable for them when eating out. So, um, being able, I think as the 4D, being able to be specific in the choice that you are about to make is essential. Um, and uh, fortunately, technology like ours, like Reveal, can really make it possible and easy. Um, so now we're bringing, when eating out, we're bringing our knowledge from our everyday eating habits. Oh, that's great. I, I can't wait to be uh, able to use this app. Um, Michelle, should people see a specialist if they suspect they're intolerant or can some people manage it on their own? I think they should definitely work with a specialist, Jill, um, as food intolerances um, are often behind or can exacerbate um, complaints, health complaints such as um, asthma, uh, fatigue, brain fog, um, sinusitis migraines and headaches a particular one and eczema and skin conditions so these are uh, quite challenging and they can also be linked to some very serious conditions as well such as depression or um, autism or ADHD or epilepsy and rheumatoid arthritis so I think it's important to get the right advice and um, if you think in turn that food intolerances are often a symptom of an underlying issue, um, it's like peeling back the layers of an onion. Mm. In my experience, um, fungal bacterial overgrowth and um, intestinal hyperpermeability, like leaky gut, are commonly underlying these symptoms. So it's only really by working with a with a specialist like myself, a gut specialist, that you can uncover these and get to the root cause um, of your symptoms and often be very, very helpful for your complaint. Great. Thank you. Now, Didi, I think we've all we've sort of covered this mainly. I was going to ask what are the most common food intolerances, but are there one or two that you see again and again and again? You know, again, I think that the gluten is is really like the number one. 
Mm-hmm. Um, and I really get a sense that, you know, I, people ask, oh, you know, where did all these intolerances come from? You know, why is it a little different? I think it, for me, I think it's just about an awareness. You know, I mentioned that I probably was at a constant state of inflammation and just didn't even know it. I just thought that's how you felt. And so it's about education and it's about knowledge and just being aware of what, being able to name it. And so I think that with gluten being something that more and more people just in general understand can be an issue. Um, people realize that, oh, that's maybe why I'm feeling bloated. Maybe that's why I'm not feeling great. And when they're trying to make the decision, when it's time to go talk to somebody like Michelle or to Ludovica is they kind of do their own test. Well, I take some, some basic things out. Did I feel better? Oh, well, that means there's probably more to figure out. Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah, gluten is definitely, I think, the most common, the most overarching mm-hmm. that is kind of that first layer that people peel back and go, oh, there's probably more to be discovered here. Yeah, yeah, no, I think you're right. I think you're right. Um, Ludovica, uh, there seems to be a real change in the population's hypersensitivity. Why do you think that is? I've got my own thoughts, but um, tell, tell me why you think that is. Definitely, we need to say first of all that we don't have uh, a sure answer yet. Um, and um, so there are different theories. Um, um, to a certain extent, I think it's the environment. Um, uh, we are constantly bombarded with uh, different uh, um, sensitizers. Um, so our bodies are getting more and more sensitive to things. Um, and uh, uh, one fascinating aspect of how the population is uh, uh, getting more um, sensitive to things uh, is that they can flare up in adulthood uh, and you uh, could be absolutely fine with your life and suddenly you cannot tolerate a certain uh, food or certain um, even for fun so perhaps sometimes it can be very very across the area um, so environment can be one um, and uh, I totally agree with D I think uh, is the awareness um, I think uh, the uh, preparation of the medical system to diagnose correctly and fastly um, certain uh, sensitivities uh, has uh, made people much more able to identify and name what is going on with their body. Uh, on the other side, I think there is a social aspect of that uh, in the sense that because we are more aware, usually we as doctors uh, or specialists, uh, um, to identify what are um, the triggers. And so overall, I think is a combination of uh, what is going on uh, in our surroundings, uh, but also how we're getting more and more knowledgeable about these uh, uh, symptoms, situations, and needs. I would be actually interested to know your point of view, though, uh, on, the, on the question. Well, with me, I, I think a lot has to do with the way food is processed these days. I mean, I try not to eat processed food because of all the things that are added to it. Um, I try and make everything from scratch and it doesn't always work out. But I, you know, I do try my best, really, because I think that must No, If you go back to my grandparents time when everything was made really from scratch, you couldn't buy processed food. I think there were far fewer sensitivities. Also, of course. I've- people weren't aware so much then exactly. well. yeah so there is definitely an aspect of a healthful process um, although again we are much more aware of uh, 
what is good for us. So definitely when you speak with the population, there are many more people that are trying to cook their own food and prepare their own food. Now, obviously, there is a, a necessity to know nutrition a bit more in order to navigate uh, what is healthy or what is healthier. Um, but I think um, it's a bit too early stage, maybe to assess the how food processing um, is affecting us. Because if you think about that, uh, anything, even a tomatoes is uh, processed uh, because it's picked from uh, the, the ground and then it's washed and then uh, it's served to you. And then because you season it with olive oil and uh, oregano, in a kind of way it's processed. So it's, we need to be a bit more curious, uh, I guess, about how food processing is affecting us uh, in order to get to the bottom of this question. Yeah, yeah, no, I think it is one. It's a good one for discussion, isn't it? We're just going to take another ad break now. So we'll be back just after these messages. Brooklyn's Radio believes your health matters. Sound familiar? With more people working at home and less time to worry about our posture, it's unsurprising that back and neck pain, migraines and sciatica are all on the rise. Luckily, there's somewhere that's got your back. West Chiropractic in West Byfleet prides itself on being a practice helping people from Surrey and beyond with enthusiasm, experience and expertise. With plenty of five-star reviews, it's a place you truly can trust. Book a free discovery visit now to speak with one of their expert chiropractors and find out how to move forward with a program tailored to your situation. Visit them online at westchiropractic.co.uk. There's no doubt that running a business is tough, but at the moment it's even tougher than ever. And that's where we can help. Plan C are a team of Surrey business professionals offering free advice for local businesses during these testing times. We offer solutions to your most pressing business challenges. From marketing to human resources, PR to Google ads, business strategy to website design. Post your questions at yourplanc.co.uk. We'll put them to the team and come back to you with our thoughts, observations, and most importantly, practical solutions. It's a free service, so why not see if we can help? www.yourplanc.co.uk It's Jill Bennett on Brooklyn's Radio. Welcome back. We're continuing our discussion. We're on the last home stretch now where we're talking about food sensitivities and food intolerances. And I have three great guests with me here today. Michelle, are there any more extreme ways that um, you can deal with an intolerance? Well, I suppose the uh, the extreme way is to stop eating it altogether. Um, I mean, the gold standard is, in fact, um, an 100% food elimination and then a reintroduction of that food after a period of time will tell you whether or not you're reacting to that. Obviously, that's a very time-consuming and difficult thing to test on its own because, as I say, food intolerances can can take anything for three days to to manifest so it is very difficult for um clients i find to to pinpoint where those reactions are coming from but they normally start with the you know the the top um culprits that say the gluten and the dairy is always a good place to start Mm. Uh, but it's 
it's very difficult for people to give up gluten completely. However, I, this is what I would I would advise. I try not to have gluten. I'm I'm pretty good. I don't. Very occasionally I slip up, but uh, I'm pretty good. Um, Dee Dee, do you find that your clients can handle their intolerances well once they're diagnosed? Um, you know, I think so. And, and just and, and let me just state, I'm not a nutrition professional. I'm, you know, I'm that gap filler for you know, going from the nutrition professional to helping people, you know, with rubber meets the road for, for their meals. And so, you know, what I'm hearing from clients is that this takes the guesswork out for them. And that alone gives them confidence so that if they have a meal plan for me, that's say five days a week, because life, they have other things they might, they might use, you know, reveal to be able to go out or those kinds of things is that they have more confidence in, in their shopping, in their pantries, in their preparation, um, and have more success. You know, they're able to sustain and maintain. And uh, if they're going to sustain and maintain, they have a better chance of um, feeling better if, you know, if gluten is the issue that if they're able to stay on that, like Michelle said, if you stay with a hundred percent gone, you're going to feel better. Yeah. And so um, it, it, it's a really great way to help kind of connect the dots for folks on, on all of those different things. And as you mentioned, Michelle, you said, um, you know, being able to do elimination and reintroduction that can be very time consuming. I've gone through it and it is time consuming, but when you're just desperate to yeah. figure out how to feel better, you're willing to do anything. So for me, you know, my list came back saying that eggs were going to be a problem. And I was like, no, <laughs> I love eggs. So I was fortunate that when I did my reintroduction, even though it showed up on my test, eggs don't bother me. And so, but just, so just because, you know, the results say one thing, how do I then help clients as they work with their nutrition professionals to find those adjustments to reintroduce in their meal plans in a way that is seamless. So Ludovica, how important is it for food establishments to be more inclusive in the choice they provide in store and when, when we're eating out in restaurants? I think it's becoming more and more relevant because of demand. Um, as we are discussing today, people are more aware. So they actually expect a restaurant to provide these options. Um, and I think also the pressure from institutions. Uh, to mention a few, we have Natasha's Law coming up in October. We have Owen's Law under discussion. We have Better Health applied to restaurants. So definitely restaurants and establishment um, are getting more and more um, pushed to adapt to this system. Yeah, which is great news, isn't it? Michelle, the, the uh, all-consuming question, can an intolerance be cured? We've sort of covered it a little bit, but is there any miracle cure? Um, well, I, I don't like to use the word cured, but yes, it is possible to clear the intolerance after avoiding the offending foods. For example, uh, the anti-gliadin antibody, uh, which is a protein um, in gluten. If you follow a six-month gluten-free diet, you can find that you have a tolerance of gluten afterwards and that you can eat it without some of these symptoms. I mean, gluten makes up 70% of the protein in, in uh, sorry, gliadin makes up 70% of the protein in gluten. 
Um, so causing that immune response. I would normally recommend a four month elimination because then you get it takes, say, a month for the client to get into it. And then you get, uh, say, three months true picture, which is the average half life of an IgG um, antibody. So how, when I say, yes, you can, you, however, must be addressing in the meantime, the root causes of this hypervigilance. So I'm talking about your immune um, I'm sure about nutrient insufficiency, basic nutrients such as vitamins A, D and zinc, this kind of thing. You need to address your stress, your toxin exposure or overload. You need to address your gut microbiome, the, the balance of the gut and leaky gut. So just by eliminating foods alone, that's not enough. But if you do the other work, then yes, you definitely can. Fantastic. I think actually we need to do a program on the microbiome because I've read a few books and it is such a fascinating topic. Um, Didi, the processed food industry has grown so much. So um, and so have food related illnesses, things like obesity, diabetes. How on earth can we help and encourage the wider population to eat more healthily and reduce the soaring medical costs? Ooh, you, we could, you, you're right. We could do a whole other show just on that. <laughs> um, so, you know, I think that we've, we've talked a little bit about it today is just increased awareness as people are paying attention more. And, and I do, I think that, you know, COVID has been a horrible thing. It's a, I mean, the pandemic has been awful for the globe, but I think that it has provided people an opportunity to be more vigilant in their own household, in their own kitchen, in their own system. And that awareness, I think, can help with all of those things. Now, you know, you, I said before, sometimes you don't know what you don't know. Yeah. Now people know, yeah. and they know that when they have too much sugar, what that feels like, that they can name what inflammation looks like and feels like for them. So that awareness, I think alone goes a very, can go a very long way to helping with all of those things that you just said, you know, they, it's a bumper sticker, but to say that food is medicine is accurate. Yeah. And so from a health perspective and medical costs and obesity and all of those things that if you can address your issues with food first, what a great natural way to find what works for you. Yeah. Yeah. No, I agree. I agree with you. And Ludovica, um, there are so many different intolerances and health issues due to diet. How great is the opportunity that technology holds for us for the future? I think it's massive um, and it connects uh, very well with what Dee was um, um, asking, was uh, exposing. Um, technology has solved the problem of what ELF uh, has been doing for the last 20 years, uh, which is applying a blanket, uh, an umbrella um, approach um, to people. People are unique, um, their bodies are unique. Um, and so technology has really helped us uh, to open the door for tailored um, health uh, and uh, uh, allow them to have access uh, to more choice and more knowledge. And so uh, being part of Reveal and being part of this discussion, I think is uh, he owes a lot of offer for what technology can bring uh, for our health, on our choice, uh, on how we want to take care of ourselves. And um, so um, I think technology owes um, the future of our health. Fantastic. Ladies, we've completely run out of time, but can I whiz around quickly and get you all to give us 
a, contact, a way that people can contact you, whether it's via your website or an email or whatever. And um, yes, Didi, start with you. Um, so my, again, the company is Your Wild Pantry and you can find me online at yourwildpantry.com. Um, you can find information on the meal plans and support that I do there. Fantastic. Thank you. Michelle. Yes, um, you can find me via my website, which is um, www.nutritioneast.london. And again, you can contact me by email if you wish at nutritioneast@mail.com. Fantastic. Thank you. And Ludovica. So you can find us at revealmyfood.com. Uh, we are on all social media platforms with the same name. And uh, um, if you want to get in contact with us, you can sign up uh, to our newsletter um, at uh, revealmyfood.com. Fantastic. Ladies, thank you so much for joining us today. I think that was a fascinating discussion. And uh, who knows, we may do a follow up to this in uh, in the months to come. So thank you for joining us here on Brooklyn's Radio today. Welcome, my pleasure. Thank Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Brooklyn's Radio believes your health matters.